following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Amen. What a joy. I didn't know if I turned that switch on or not. And then I heard my voice and I said, is that me or is that the sound? So here we are. Good to see everybody. How y'all doing tonight? Everybody okay? Everybody good? All right. We're having church here tonight. And after we have church, we're going to have communion. And uh, I love communion. I love to share communion. I love to give communion. And I like to commune with the one that wants to have communion with us. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will open the door, I will come in. Watch this now, and sup with him. He'll take your stuff off of you, and then he said, you can sup with me. He'll take your sadness, your sorrow, your hurt, your pain, and then he'll give you joy and life and peace and contentment. That's how, you know, there's not any scripture that's written uniquely wrong. Everyone's written uniquely right. And I went through the Bible several years ago and I said, why did it, why is it worded this way? And I would try to figure out why it was. That was one of them. I will sup with you and you can sup with me. And I thought, got it. He's going to take your stuff and he's going to give you his bad. That means good. Now, are you happy to be here tonight? All right. All right. I promise I won't be long. I'll be like Henry VIII told his fifth wife. I won't keep you long tonight. But I want you to stand. You're incredible people and I love you. Hey, went next door Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and it's coming around. We should have all the, uh, well, I don't want to tell you everything. I, don't, I want some, something to be a, pri- a surprise to you. We're going to, be ha- we're going to have probably all the mezzanine in by the middle of next week and that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome. I've been climbing up on those mezzanine steps and going to different places to look and see what's the best seat and I'm going to sell those seats. <laughs> but there are, there are some great seats. There's not a bad seat in the house. There's not a bad seat in the house. And I just, I love it so much. And I'm so excited. I am so excited. It's a dream come true. And what a joy. You folks are helping us accomplish it. You hope folks are giving to it. And we honor you from the bottom of our heart. So last month, on the first Wednesday of the month, we talked about see, seeing. What do you see? What do you see? And we spoke on the fact of how do I see myself? Do I see myself as a victim or a victor? Do we have an I can and I will mentality? Or do we have an I can't? Dad used to say, can't never could do anything and they whoop couldn't till he could. Now, that's a dad statement. I don't know how that preaches, but it's just the way he used to say it. So I want to do everything that I could to make an I can man. And then the second thing, how do you see the world? Do you see it as we're just passing through, it's not our home? Or do you see it as something that confines you and makes you want to turn from the God that you serve? And then the last thing, we, how do you see God? How do you see God? Do you see him bigger than all your problems? Do you seem greater than all your situations? Do you seem more awesome than anything that you could ever face in your life? David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. How do you magnify a God that fills all time and space? I'll tell you how you do it. You make him bigger than your problem. 
You make him bigger than your issue. That's how you do it. Today, Pastor Brad and I and, and Luke had a very sad thing we had to do today, a little 13-year-old girl, a little 13-year-old girl, Juliana. Juliana. Uh, we, they called her Juju, 13 years old, died of brain cancer. And uh, it's hard to see a 13-year-old in a casket. It's pretty difficult. I want you to pray for the Cervantes family and ask God to give them peace and ask God to give them a blessing in their life. They're sweet people. They're members of our church. And that little old youngin loved to hear Luke sing. And so Luke sang today one last time for in this world. And Pastor Brad did a remarkable job at the funeral today. And I'm so happy that uh, God gives us the ability to bless people in times of struggle like that. Pastor Brad, you were incredible today. Now today, we're gonna, tonight we're gonna speak on steps. Everybody say step. step. Say step. step. We're gonna speak on that tonight. And the Bible said in Job 34, 21, for his eyes are on the ways of man and he sees all his steps. You believe God sees us? You believe God knows us? You may be seated, you're awesome people. I really won't be long tonight. We'll be out of here. But thank you for making Wednesday night so special. Patty and I love you very, very much. And by the way, I love Patty very, very much, and she loves me very, very much. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Darwin, the Darwin Awards? You ever heard of those? They're awards given to people who do dumb things. Some include criminals. Like in Seattle, Washington, a few years back, when a man attempted to siphon gasoline from a parked motorhome. And he got much more than he bargained for. Police arrived at the scene to find a very sick man curled up next to the motorhome. The man was admitted, the man admitted to trying to steal gasoline and he plugged his hose into the motorhome's sewage tank by mistake. That's a Darwin Award. And the owner of the vehicle declined to press charges saying that was the best laugh he had ever had in his life. The boy didn't know where to plug in the hose. Or how about this one? Police in Wichita, Kansas arrested a 22-year-old man at an airport hotel after he tried to pass two counterfeit $16 bills. That's a Darwin Award. It's a Darwin Award. And my personal favorite, two gas station attendants in Michigan refused to hand over the cash to an intoxicated robber the man threatened to call the police, the robber did. So they still wouldn't give him the money, so the robber called the police and he went to jail. Now that's a Darwin Award. Now what I wanna try to get y'all to do is not ever win one of those contests. I want you to do the right thing. Everybody say preach to us tonight, Pastor. I'm gonna give you a quick little uh, summation of what I call seven steps forward of faith. The first one is to step ahead. If you're ever gonna step into faith, you gotta get off the circle and step. You gotta step. Everybody say step ahead. Yes. You gotta take a step forward. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The second thing you have to do is step it up. I know that we talk about, you know, it's, it's easy to get it done when you do it slow and easy, and it's easy to do it. But sometimes in life, you have to step up the tempo. The king's business that we're in requires 
haste. When God wants something of us, he doesn't want us to take forever to get it done. And so you have to step it up. The third one I'm gonna give you is just step up. You gotta step up to the plate. You gotta step up to the plate. Babe Ruth stepped up to the plate many years ago and pointed to right field and the pitch came in and he hit it to where he pointed. That's a true story. Goliath didn't fall down in the valley of Elah and say, I surrender, David. But it was David that stepped up to the plate with a slingshot in his hand and some stones in his pocket and took the giant down. You got to step up. You got to step up. Everybody say, Lord, let me step up at the end of the year and make this year finish strong for me. The fourth one is you got to step in it. <laughs> Sometimes there's no stepping around it. You got to step in it. If you're going to get muck out of the stable, you got to get in the stable. Amen. If you're going to feed the horses, you might step in what the horses leave behind. You got to step in it. There's some things in life that are not fun, but you got to walk through them. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. The fifth one you've got to do is you've got to step down. You've got to step down. Jesus said, follow me. You've got to humble yourself. Get down on yourself and follow him. Not exalt yourself, but humble yourself. He resisteth the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And number six, you've got to step over the line. What, what that simply means, you've got to push the parameters of the possibilities. You got to keep pushing. God loves people that are not Laodicea, laid back. He loves people that are energetic. And I know I'm saying this because we're coming out of pandemic and we've said that all the time since we've, since we've been preaching during this pandemic, but we don't need to let the pandemic leftovers stay on us and in us. We got to push, we got to push. And the last one, you got to stand firm. Everybody say stand firm. Everybody say stand firm. Stand up like a man, like a woman, and let's face this world and have revival at Christian Life Austin. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach tonight. I'm going to preach a little bit tonight on two men, Elijah, whose name means Yahweh is my God. Everybody say Yahweh is my God. And Elisha whose name means God is salvation. Wow. Yahweh is my God and God is salvation. Now let me preface this because I'm gonna, I'm gonna start at the end of the story and come back to the front and give you how it got there. Second Kings chapter two, verse nine said, when they had crossed, that's the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. He didn't say, let me do twice the miracles that you did. He didn't say, let me meet more kings and rulers than you, you have met. He didn't say, let me have more money than you have made. He said, let me have a double portion of your spirit. Elijah must have had one of those spirits that everybody wanted to have. And Elisha wanted to have it. See, Elisha represents, folks, an increase. 
He represents a double portion man of the ministry that was previous in his life of Elijah. And when God does a new thing, things grow when he does a new thing. And the reverence and the worship for God increases exponentially. I have felt the growth of worship since we have been looking forward to what's coming for us. God's doing a new thing for us. He's allowing us to have 1,700 seats over there next door. And just hearing that makes you want to go, yes! Have that hummingbird wing clap. You know what I'm saying? And there's something about when God does new stuff, it brings us up, it resurrects our praise, it resurrects our worship, and it causes us to want to be in touch with him. Elisha took the ministry of Elijah to a double portion level. And he took steps, he took steps on the road to a double portion. You know, in Christianity, at the time of conversion, and I want to say this tonight, this is going to help a lot of people. It's not in my notes, but I don't help somebody. It is not my idea, it's not my deal to tell you when you got saved. Only God can do that. And so I'm not setting any parameters on how and when and where. If you got saved in your closet, you just get out of that closet and dance into the kitchen. If you got saved driving down the road, you ought to rejoice in that. It don't always happen here. It doesn't always happen in a prayer meeting. It doesn't always happen when everybody's around. But when God comes down and touches your life with the Holy Spirit, you walk out of there and say, I know that I know that I know that I've been saved by the presence of God. I don't know. I just want to throw that in. For some of us, it's very clear and dramatic. But for others, it's gradual. And either way, we come to a point where Jesus Christ has to be unequivocally Lord. He has to be Lord. Jesus cannot just be a master. He has to be Lord. I'm getting into this now. A man who was persuaded to go to a large evangelistic meeting recalled, just as I was about to go out the door, I was confronted by a man who looked at me in the eye and said, are you a Christian? Strange question, I thought. Putting on my Sunday school smile, I said, Oh, yes, I think so. And the man looked at him. He said, I ask you, are you a Christian? He insisted, a light in his eyes. And I said, crank. I thought, humor him and then run away from him. So I replied, well, I'm trying to be. And the man came back, said, ever try to be an elephant? <laughs> you can't do this Christian thing by just trying. You have to learn to lean on the Lord of your salvation. Come on now. Come on. Oh, I want to preach tonight. So 1 Kings 19 is where this story kind of starts. It's 10 years before the, the, the scripture that we read in, in the opening of this message. Elisha is plowing in a field. Now somebody said, Pastor, do you think Elisha was a man that knew his God? I don't know that. I really don't. But he's plowing in the field with 12 yoke of oxen. He's a, he's a rich young man because he had 24 oxen and that, that, that showed he had wealth. And all of a sudden, a man just walks by him and he's got a mantle in his hand and he just hits him with it. 
just touches him with the mantle. And it was a dramatic moment for Elisha. See, Elijah had come from a cave hiding from Jezebel because he had brought down fire on the mountain of Carmel and Jezebel had sworn to kill him. And he was in a cave and the Lord came in and whispered to him and said, I've got some missions for you to do. I want you to go anoint Haziel, the king of Syria. I want you to go anoint Jehu to be the king of Israel. And I want you to go anoint the prophet, a prophet Elisha. I want you to go anoint him. And so the mantle, when it fell on Elisha, Elijah walked away. And the Bible said, you got to get this, that Elisha ran after him. He ran after him. Can I say something? The anointing of God is worth running after. There are too many people that are afraid of the anointing. The anointing is not to be afraid of. It's to be embraced. It's to be enjoyed. I love when the Holy Spirit comes down on a church and you feel that, mm, wow, what is that? It is the anointing because when the anointing comes, it destroys every yoke. It puts you in a place. Oh, let me preach to you right now. It puts you in a place where hell can't contain you anymore and the yoke is not just overcome, it is destroyed. I'm asking God to baptize this church with an anointing, with an anointing. I'm chasing the anointing. I'm after the anointing. I need the anointing. This church needs the anointing. Hallelujah. Woo. And so there was a turnaround that day. My Lord, you folks are preaching me. He abandoned his plowing and he followed Elijah. And he took steps to totally be transformed into the biblical prophet that he became. You know, many people are converted but not yet useful on God's stage. We're going to try to fix that tonight. And now it's 10 years later. 10 years later from the time that Elijah touched him. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. It came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now, you got to get this. Gilgal was a place that Elisha hung around Elijah for 10 years. You know, there's a lot of people that get saved. They get filled. They get baptized. They find salvation. And they think that they just got to sit around because they got to let it kind of absorb in them. And Elisha and Elijah sit in Gilgal, it means simply, Gilgal means a circle of stone. So it means kind of going in a circle, doing the circle of life every day. And, and Gilgal also was the meeting place of the Israelites. It was where Joshua crossed Jordan. It's where he came across. It was, it's where David came back to Jerusalem from asylum when, 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 his son, when his son took over the throne from him. And for 10 years, 10 years, all Elisha did was pour water 
on the hands of the man of God. But after 10 years, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please. Stay where? In Gilgal. For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. He sent me. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, both of them. Elisha, stay here, Elijah said. But Elisha said, no, I'm going with you to Bethel. But Bethel was an Old Testament town formerly named Luz. Now, I want to preach a little bit here. I want to draw some things out of this. Luz means a dry place. It was one of the first places in the Bible where the Hebrew people met with God. And back in Genesis 28, a young man named Jacob was running from his brother named Esau. And he came to this place and he laid his head down on on a stone at Luz. And he had a dream that night. And he dreamed of angels, a stairway to heaven, and angels ascending and descending on that that ladder. And the Lord was standing above it. It happened at Bethel. The next morning, Jacob gets up, gets a bottle of anointing oil and pours it on that rock and says, surely the Lord was in this place. And I didn't even know it. So he anointed it and he changed the place from a dry place to a name called Bethel, which means the house of God. Say the house of God. The house of God. Because this and several other early encounters with God happened at Bethel. Bethel signifies our first beginning of knowledge and understanding about God, about heaven, and about spiritual truth. Stay with me now. Bethel represents a rather external and pragmatic sense of what God and spirit are all about. Bethel means, in the Hebrew, house of God. Say it, house of God. And a house of God is an earthly, physical place. Say physical. Stick and mortar, physical, such as a church or a temple or a synagogue that is seen as a dwelling place of God. Now stay with me. We know God cannot be contained though in a physical building or in a location. Solomon built the temple and in 1 Kings chapter eight, he said, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. He said, I built something here and it's not big enough to contain you. But we earthbound humans often need something solid and physical to remind us of the presence of God, heaven and spirit. And that's why we love to come to the house of God on Wednesday and Sunday. And when we have prayer meeting, we love to be here. I couldn't keep you away with a team of horses. You love the house of God. And what a joy to love the house of God. But after Jacob had that amazing dream of a stairway to heaven with angels ascending descending on it and God standing above it, he made this vow. He made this vow. He said, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, 
shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. I'm not about to start teaching and preaching on tithe, but that's a pretty good scripture if you want to read it. Genesis 28, 22. But Bethel, stay with me now, is not just a house. It's not just a place. It's not just an address. Bethel is a place where you meet God. Amen. It's very important to understand that a building that we worship in is not just a building, it's a place that we meet God. Elisha could, after his conversion experience, have decided that he didn't want to take it any further and personalize his faith. He could have said, I don't want to get intimate with God. I'll just go to church occasionally and don't meet God on a personal basis. But Elijah is really testing Elisha's commitment at Bethel. But Elisha will have none of it, and so he pushes on because there's something more than just coming here. There's something more than just tithing here. There's something more than just filling up a pew here. You need to meet Jesus in this house. You need to meet the Savior of Saviors in this house. And you need to get intimate with him. Come on, men. We need to learn how to weep in his presence. Come on, ladies. We need to learn how to yield to his presence. This thing is not just about filling up a pew and giving in an offering. This thing is about responding to a God in heaven that loves us. After all, Jacob saw a ladder and the angels were going up and coming down and the Lord was there. And we've got that same ladder in this house. God is with us and God's for us. And we can have a victory time in his presence if we will get intimate with him. What I'm trying to say is don't ever be afraid to worship God. Don't ever be afraid to call on his name. Don't ever be afraid to clap your hands in this house. Don't ever be afraid to be a worshiper. For if any man be a worshiper, him God heareth. Hallelujah. Woo. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I used to go to church in West Texas and there was a little old lady in her 80s that used to wear a shawl. And when she got to feeling the presence of God, she'd start bouncing her little shoulders. It's not the action, it's the spirit. And that shawl just kind of have wings on it, you know, it just get up and go down. And everybody wanted to touch her at that time. You know, they said, we need to touch her. It's like seeing the Virgin Mary or something. I don't know. Everybody wanted to touch Ma Austin. And when she'd get out and walk in the front of the church, everybody wanted to grab a hold of that shawl. And there was people that got healed evidently. And she was a humble lady. But there's something about getting under the presence of God. It's not just coming to a pretty building and we've got, some, we've got some nice things here and that's going to be nice next door, but it's not that building. It's the ladder that is dropped in that building that angels go up and angels come down and the glory of God is felt and we can get intimate with him and we can get intimate with him. Here's a question. 
Do you just want to witness the new thing that God is doing from a spectator chair? Or do you desire to push on and meet with God? I've met people while pastoring here who told me that they didn't have time to meet with God. That they'd have little time for church, but as soon as it was over, they had to get out. But as we talked, it became evident that all kinds of other things were filling their life. All kinds of other things, and I won't mention them. But they hadn't pushed on to Bethel. They hadn't got to Bethel. Oh, they recognized the church Bethel, but they have never recognized the God Bethel. There's a God of the house at Bethel. So step one, if you want a fresh anointing for 2021, push on to Bethel and meet with God. Turn to your neighbor and say, he said it, but I'm going to say it to you. Push on to Bethel and meet with God. Elisha was in an amazing place of intimacy with God. Psalms 27 says, God says, seek my face. Revelation 3 and 20, I've already quoted, behold, I stand at the door and knock. God desires to be intimate with every one of us. Psalms 42 said, as a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Many people, Christians included, carry incredible burdens because they will not get intimate with God and loose those burdens and let him take them off of them. Let me tell you something, you shouldn't leave the same way you came when you come to the house of God. You know, Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, so he couldn't even get in the house that was built for him. Levites got in the house, but the tribe of Judah couldn't. But he stood on the porch of the house and lifted burdens from people. It's in the Bible. And when you walk in this house, Jesus wants to meet you at the door and lift your burdens. That's what it's all about. Don't ever come to the house. Come and worship the God of the house. That's what it's all about. Hebrews eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. If you ever want to be used of God, you must first be intimate with God. He must become personal. I love the phrase, he's my personal savior. Would you raise your hands and say, he's my personal savior. Ah, isn't that sweet to say that? So Elisha moves to Bethel with Elijah. And in so doing, he nails his colors to his mast. It had to be tempting to stay there, having discovered God and met with God there. But in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 4, Elijah says again, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as my soul lives, as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And let me talk about Jericho. Let me talk about it just a, just a moment. Jericho was a place of a great former conquest. You remember the Jericho walls coming down? And Joshua had completely vanquished the city and had been rebuilt with a curse on its builder. Joshua 6.26 said, when they try to build it back, the one that lays the foundation will lose his firstborn. And when he hangs the gate, he'll lose his secondborn. And that happened. Prophets were there in the new city of Jericho. Lots of prophets speaking about yesterday. Speaking about yesterday. Elijah says to Elisha, you stay here. Yet to stay would have been to live in yesterday in a way. Many Christians want to do that and they long for a yesterday to be today. Can I just say something to you? Your best life is not behind you. It's not. Your best life's not behind you. 
Everybody say, my best life is right now and what's coming. But pastor, I had a great 2016. Well, wonderful. You're fixing to have a great 2021. I'm already preaching about the new year. I'll tell you what I'm ready to do. I'm ready to take these masks off and just see everybody's face. Now, everybody's got pretty eyes in this church, but I'm so ready to see your face. Please don't hold that against me. We should celebrate the good things that God has done in our past. I thank him from time to time for every past church experience that I've had for the pastors and the saints and the salvations and the healings. We can look back to revivals of past miracles and walls coming down. But step two says you can't stop at a place of former conquest. You got to press on to the new thing God is wanting to do in your life. We can't just look back and say, wow, we've done good. We got to look forward and say, we're going to do better. Is that all right? I got two more pages and I'm going to let you go. I'm going to be through before you know it. Everybody say, we can't dwell there. Jericho stands on the side of former victories. God has great plans for Elisha, so he moves on. And the third step I want to give you right now, to face new beginnings, one needs to go into uncharted territory. Now, I'm going to say this for about the umpteenth time. I've been waking up with cold sweats about that building. Because I'm, I'm worried with this pandemic, we're going to look like a BB in a boxcar over there. But I promise you that God has promised me that we're going to have revival there. We're going to have revival there like you could not imagine. God said if you will build a building large enough I will fill it as many times as you want to have church on a Sunday. And I believe that. I really do believe that. This is a dream in my life. It's a passion in my life. And I am preaching with passion to you tonight because I want God to let us baptize hundreds and thousands in a year. I want hundreds of thousands of salvations. I want to see people from everywhere find Jesus. I want to see people come in in wheelchairs and walk out pushing the wheelchairs. I want to see God do mighty things and marvelous things and glorious things. I want to see God light on us. I want to see God promote us. I want to see God lift us. I want to see God bless us. And to do that, we have to go into uncharted territory. Second Kings 2 and 6 said, then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Now the prophet showed up at Jericho. The prophet showed up at Jordan. But Elijah was leaving familiar territory. And Elisha was following him. And in a way, he was doing the reverse of what Joshua had done. He crossed the Jordan and left the area. But Elisha wasn't going to give up now. He knew that to follow God's plan for his life, 
he had to go the extra distance. I think we need to com commit ourselves to something right here tonight. And here's what I think we ought to commit ourselves to. God, you get us out of this. And I'll be in church every time the doors are open because I want the best that you have for us. I don't want to pastor a Laodicean church. I want to pastor a Philadelphia church, the church of the open door. And I want people to get saved right and left. And if you don't preach it, you won't get it. So I'm preaching it. He's now journeying alone with Elijah and all the schools of the prophets are left behind because they kept saying, hey, you know your, your, your leader's going to be, your prophet's going to be taken from you today. He's going he's to leave. And Elisha said, just hold your peace. It's all right. So it's then that Elijah asked him the question, what do you want from me? And he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, if you see me when I leave, you'll get it. And they walked across that Jordan and the chariot appears and a whirlwind and he's gone. But all of a sudden, something's floating out of the air. And it lands on him. It's the mantle. It's the thing that started him in a field. And now it's falling on him. It's the thing that made him burn his plows, kill his oxen but now it's falling on him. And he picks up that mantle and he goes back to the river. See, he did 28 miracles. Elijah did 14. He did twice the miracle. He goes back to that Jordan and he says, where is the God of Elijah? <laughs> Boom. And the waters part. You know that Jordan River got parted a lot, didn't it? You know what? God's got a lot of great things for us. He's done a lot of great things in the past, but God's going to part the Jordan for us also. He's going to give us a spirit of double portion if we will follow his presence. Come on, from Gilgal, say it from Gilgal, to Bethel, to Jericho, to the Jordan. Come on, that's some steps, folks. We're walking in favor with God. Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. He died for us so we could have this kind of experience. And if you'll help me. Elisha now goes into uncharted territory. Stepping out and going forth and saying, I will follow the man of God totally. This is not mob thinking. This is me and my mentor thinking. This is just me alone. In fact, you have to make that kind of commitment to God. Really, you do. If my mother don't go, I'm going to go. If my dad don't want to follow, I'm going to follow. If people don't want to go with me, I'm going to commit myself to Jesus Christ. I will be a soul winner. I will be a prayer warrior. I will be something for the kingdom of God. I will count in this last day. Folks, this is getting close to the beginning of the start of the almost last days. And so we got to give it all we have. You know, what do great risk takers have in common? One is fear of what might happen. The second is faith to step out in spite of their fear. 
And the third, because of that, is favor, God's reward and blessing on their life. Got to start small. Abel built an altar. And he offered a better sacrifice than Cain. And by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. But you got to believe big things. Verse 5, but Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I've always believed that a Christian's life is marked by windows of opportunity that demand that they take a radical step of faith in order to follow Jesus and fulfill his agenda for their life. I have left Gilgal. I've walked in circles for eight months. I talked to some precious saints tonight and I said, I can't tell you how hard it's been to preach the walls. And they said, Pastor, it didn't look like he's preaching the walls. I said, well, it's just, I guess I was just acting good because I was so lonely in here preaching the walls. I love you folks for being here. But I'm leaving Gilgirl. I'm going to Bethel. And I'm not just going to the house. I'm going to go to the God of the house. I'm going to move past Jericho and I'm going to cross the Jordan and I'm going to see the glory of the Lord in my life. I, uh, I got up here and forgot my... Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, son. Now, we're going we're gonna to commit. We're going to commit something here tonight. You love communion? I love communion. I love it. I believe I could take it every day and never get tired and never get weary and it never become ordinary to me. Take out your bread. Take out your bread and hold it up and say, Lord, I thank you for your body that was broken and wounded and bruised for me. And with your stripes, I am healed. And Jesus, it's not just going to be a house for me. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to get intimate with you. And 2021 is going to be a wonderful, wonderful year for me. In Jesus' name, receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Amen. And I want you to take the fruit of the vine. you to thank him because he said this is my blood which was shed for you they crowned his head he bled from his head they plucked his beard he bled from his face they put a spear in his side he bled from his side they put nail prints in his hands bled from his hands they put nails in his feet bled from his feet they beat him in his back bled from his back 
all that is because he loves us. Let's celebrate that right now. He loves us. Receive this cup in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it'd be all right to lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for acquiring me. I love the fact that you found me. Hallelujah. And you saved me. And you put me on a path. And I'm going to keep stepping. Because faith is my heart's desire. Jesus. Jesus' name. Keith, would you come? Uh, Brother Keith, would you come up here right quick? We don't normally end this way. Come on up here, Brother Keith. This is one of the finest saints that's ever been a part of this church. Brother Keith, I want you to get him a microphone here. I want this man to pray over us. Beautiful dismissal. He's a, he's a man of God. Let him bless us right now. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing presence. Hallelujah. In this house tonight. Hallelujah. And not just tonight, your presence Hallelujah. is always felt when we gather together. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for the strength that you give us, Hallelujah. the hope that you give us, the future that you've promised us. And we ask you to go with us tonight. Hallelujah. Keep your hand upon us. Bless everyone. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Keith. I love you, buddy. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much.